You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's Word, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God has given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. And here we are, John chapter 21, the final chapter in the Gospel of John. And this has been just such an awesome journey. I know I've said that a few times before, but I really mean it. In about a year and a half, I'll be 20 years since I totally gave my life over to Jesus. And trust me, it's a journey each and every day. And in my 20 years of study, and I really did start studying the Bible kind of right off the bat when I decided to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And this has been one of the coolest experiences that I've ever had. And a big part of that has been connecting with all of you and getting your feedback and hearing the awesome testimonies. One of the coolest ones was, hey, Jason, you know, I I find that when I listen to the 1% Christian, I do more during the day for God. And to me, that is a major win, right? Because the concept of the 1% Christian is exactly this, that 100 starts with one. And if we want to give our lives 100% to God, which we strive for every day, and most of us, you know, obviously we all fall short every day in some way, shape, or form. Uh, At least I do. I'll speak for myself that uh, at some point in the day, I'm making a mistake. But it all starts with that 1%. It always starts with that first step. And so often we're afraid to take that first step. And I also, you know, want to thank everyone that encouraged me to get this started because this was something that God put on my heart uh honestly about almost a year ago uh today. And it took me that long. There's a lot of things that I'm comfortable with. You can put me in front of thousands of people and I I'll I'll gladly speak, but there was something about this that I really had to push myself to do and to get comfortable with. And I'll admit it, I'm not totally there yet, but you walking with me during this time has brought me closer to God. It's given me more confidence in this area. And uh, again, I just want to thank you. And I want to remind you, and I want to remind myself in cases like this, because there's probably something in your life that you feel called to do, but for whatever reason, you are not doing it, that I want to say this, that God is not looking for perfect He's looking for willing. He can do a lot with willing. So if you're willing to take that small step forward, maybe that 1% step forward, God will help you walk through the remaining 99%. So let's start our study. John chapter 21. If you remember, we just came out of John 20. Jesus is now appearing to his disciples. He is the risen king. He has resurrected. The tomb was and is empty. And he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, then to Peter, then to all the disciples. And here in this final chapter, we find the disciples trying to cope with life, a new life, really, uh, and to adjust. And we see that they are in some sense of uncertainty as to what's next. Right here where it says, verse 1, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter 
Thomas, known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So the disciples, they decide to go out and go fishing. And it's actually Peter's idea. If you know, Peter was a fisherman by trade. Many of them were. And we don't know for sure if this was something that was leisurely. Hey, I just want to blow off some steam and go out and go fishing. I know that's what I do, right? I, I grab the grab the kids and, and we go fishing. We do that almost all summer. But chances are Peter's trying to get back to some sense of normalcy. And I won't comment as to whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing. That's between Peter and and God. But we see Peter r- returning to the sea. And you wonder whether or not they are really understanding what is next. But Jesus shows up there on the shore. It said early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Now you notice this in when he appears, Mary didn't recognize him right away. She thought he was the gardener. In other instances, like uh, in other gospels, when he's on the road to Emmaus, or he's seeing other people, they, they don't recognize him right away, which lends to the fact that perhaps he did look a bit different than he than they had recognized him, or maybe that just in their physical eyes they were having a hard time. Maybe it was their doubt. We 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 don't know. I'm sure there's people that will speculate on that, but I'm okay with saying, hey, I don't I don't know ex- exactly why. How many times in our life is Jesus there operating and working, and we don't recognize him either? We think it's us. We think it's luck, and sometimes he's the first to take the blame in our life. And uh, undeserving of both. God deserves all the credit. And when things don't go our way, sometimes we can look inward. But most of the time, you know, what I try to do is to say, God, all right, what's really going on here? What's going on here? And that's not a bad place to be. Two very powerful places that you can be with God is saying, hey, all right, God, what's, go- what's really going on here? And God, what do you want me to do next? So they're out fishing. And Jesus calls out to them, verse 5, and they didn't catch anything, right? So any any of you out there that fish know that uh, it's when you don't catch anything, it's difficult. But Ch- the great Charles Spurgeon said it like this, fishing takes faith, and that is true. Because sometimes you'll put in a whole day's worth of fishing, and you'll get nothing out of it. Or you'll, you have to keep dropping that pole in the water. You have to keep throwing that net in the water. Nothing that you do for God is in vain. Scripture says that we will reap in due season if we don't lose heart. So fishing's a lot like that, right? You just keep dropping your pole in the water. And if you know if you keep doing the right thing, eventually you're going to hit on it. So he asked them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net to the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net (laughs) because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom loved Jesus said to Peter, it is the Lord. So John says to 
Peter. It's the Lord. John is always seems to be the one who recognizes Jesus first, if you notice. He is the true witness, right? And John would go on to uh, live uh, a very interesting life and to write the book of Revelation. So John says, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped in the water. Peter, Peter doesn't like to wait. So Peter jumps in the water and he starts swimming. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. So a couple of accounts even say that the actual number of fish is 153 that they caught. And that means that the catch, if you give about the average size of the fish, uh, that would that they would have kept it could be upwards of about three hundred pounds. So they catch about three hundred pounds of fish. So there's another miracle for them, right? And uh, I I look at that and I say they were out all night by themselves, right? They decided to go fishing by themselves, and they came up with nothing. But when they saw Jesus and Jesus gave them some instructions, just a little bit of instruction and a little bit of obedience, and they were able to catch more than they could even handle by themselves. And there's a message in that, right? Is that is that sometimes when we try to do things on our own, it doesn't work out. But if we allow Jesus to come in and give us a little bit of direction, then with Him, it's more we'll be able to catch more than we can handle. Amen. And Jesus said to them, "Bring some of the fish you have just caught." So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even so many that the net was not torn. Jesus said, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now notice he calls Peter Simon here. Peter is coming off a couple of tough days, right? He leaves Jesus high and dry after saying he didn't. If you remember, when they were sitting at the banquet, he says to Jesus, why can't I come with you now? Jesus says, oh, yeah, you want to come with me now? Before the rooster crows three times, you're going to leave me. <laughs> and Peter didn't think that was going to happen, but it did. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. So Jesus said, feed my lambs. And the interesting thing here is that Jesus uses agape, the greatest form of love, when he says this. And then he says, feed my lambs. Peter responds with, you know I love you. And he uses the philios, a philia, which is more of a brotherly love. Maybe Peter was feeling a little bit inadequate, as if he couldn't love Jesus as much as he would have liked to, knowing that Jesus could love far greater than he could. And this whole exchange continues. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. So now his response, and this is the same thing, agape, and then philia. 
using the two types of love. Simon responds in a brotherly friend type of love. Jesus responds in an unconditional love, which is the Greek word agape. And in both cases, he responds to Peter saying, I love you, saying, okay, if you do, you feed my sheep. You take care of my sheep. And then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. If you remember, Peter denied him three times. And now Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? He says, do you love me, Peter, three times? And I believe that this signifies that as many times as we mess up, that God is willing to forgive us and give us that opportunity every single time to repent. And also take notice here that loving Jesus is directly connected with the following commandment, feed my sheep, care for others. And isn't that the walk of the Christian life? To love God and love others. Remember, we uncovered the meaning of life a couple weeks ago. The meaning of life is this. To know him and make him known. Feed my sheep as we come up to the 1%, the final 1% of the Gospel of John. He says, very truly, I will tell you. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And we're going to get into this in some of the other gospels. But if you remember, on the beach there, he says to, this is prior, when he first met Peter, I'm sorry, when Peter first met him, obviously, Jesus doesn't meet anybody for the first time. He, everything, we've all been created through him, amen? But he told Peter, follow me. And Peter did. And Peter followed him through his earthly ministry, not knowing what to expect. And now Peter on the precipice of what would be it would be like in the first century church where he was now called to lead. And Jesus says it once again. He says, follow me, but not only follow me, he expresses how he's going to die. And if you know anything about church tradition and history, Peter also dies on the cross. It's actually part of church tradition that he is crucified upside down because he feels unworthy to die in the exact manner that Jesus died. And it's amazing that the disciple that ran from the cross would now return to it. And under Nero would be killed in the, in the same manner. And that follow me is also a present tense. If you break down the actual word, it's the equivalent in the original language to saying, keep on following me. Peter has a really, really funny answer to this. He's a lot of us can relate to Peter. I know I can. So Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. 
This was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? John, at this point, it's like, John, we know it's you, man. Just say, it, just say it's you, John. And when Peter saw him, he asked the Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain until I return, what is it to you? So Peter looks at John and says, I'm going to die that way. What about this guy? And Jesus said, basically, what's it to you? And this is where I want to leave you at this before we read our last couple of scriptures here. Don't worry about anybody else's walk. We're all called to different walks, but we're all called to be intertwined with one another, which is a beautiful thing. Scripture says that just like there are different parts of the body, of our own physical bodies, we each play a part, and not one is any greater than the other. So my encouragement to you as we close out this study is to just be excited about walking out your own destiny your own walk. You don't have to judge your destiny and and your future by anybody else's. That is between you and God, and he has your steps planned. In verse 24, this is how we'll close out. This disciple who testifies to these things, who wrote them down, we know that this testimony is true. Now check this out. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would have been written. Wow. Wow. If John had written down all the things that Jesus had done, the whole world couldn't fit all of the books. And that just really lends to the scripture that our God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we can ask or think. I want to say that scripture again. Our God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we can ask or think. Scripture says that no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind has ever even fathomed the things that are in store for those who love the Lord. So just imagine that. There's always more. What happened in your past God did more for you then than you even know. God has been guiding your steps up until this point. I think if you're honest with yourself, if I'm honest with myself, most of us, all of us probably shouldn't be here. We have no idea how much God has protected us. Even despite all the things that we've struggled with in our life, God has been there. And here you are today. At the end of the Gospel of John, reading from start to finish, from Jesus' first miracle to now his being the resurrected king. And if you grab the revelation that is in this word, it'll change your entire life. And I believe it already has. And just when you think that you've reached the end of yourself, just understand there's more. The best is yet to come. And my prayer for you is that You've come to believe that for yourself and that you would continue to push yourself to the limit. Because remember, at the end of what you can do begins the infinite possibility of everything that God can do. And we can relate to all the people that Jesus encountered. There were times where we were the leper, outcast. There are times in life where we're the woman at the well. 
right? Ashamed and, and alone. There are times where we're Nicodemus and we just want to know more. Lazarus, where we're shut away in a tomb and we think things are done. And I'm t- here to tell you that it's not done. There's always more. God loves you to the utmost. God so loved the world. He gave his only son that if you would just believe in him, you shall never perish, but have eternal life. But that eternal life is not just heaven after here. Your forever starts today. Today. So let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for each and every person within the sound of my voice. I thank you for this study. I thank you for this journey through the Gospel of John. I thank you that you've done so much more that we can't even fit it in all the books. That we could even start with the Gospel of John again and just get a whole new experience if we wanted to. Your word is that powerful. So we're going to continue studying, Lord God. And I pray that you continue to grow this audience. If you could just pray right right where you are, just pray with me. Say, Lord, grow this study. And it's not for us, Lord. It's so that more people can come to your word and your understanding. And for you at home, I just pray that you continue to draw in closer to God. If you want to declare today that Jesus is the Lord of your life, that you want to hand over your life to God in a manner where you can walk with him, I believe that he's saying to you, follow me, just like he said to Peter. And even if he said it to you before and you followed him up until this point, just like Peter is standing on that shore and there's more to be done, I believe God is saying to you today, follow me. So just say that with me. Say, I will follow you, Lord. Say, Jesus, you are my Lord. I will follow you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. And I'm ready to walk with you. Well, I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. We are going to start the Gospel of Matthew. So uh, remember, like, share, subscribe. Let people know that we are going to kick off a new daily Bible study. It's just 1% of your day and 100 starts with one. So I'm going to take the next couple weeks. I'm going to prepare to even improve the the manner in which we broadcast this. And I'm going to rely on you to spread the word. And together we are going to spread God's word and help change lives through his power and his awesome word. God bless you guys. I love you. We'll see you in a few short weeks when we start the gospel of Matthew.